Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Christy Crouch with Remax in Roanoke, Virginia. Last year, she closed 101 transactions with a total sales volume of $14 million. Her average sales price was $142,000, of which 38% were buyers and 62% were sellers. She operates a team with three members, one listing manager, one operations manager, and one team leader. Christy Crouch is the team leader of the Crouch team. She's been an agent for 23 years. In this call, Christy talks about starting as a receptionist in a real estate office, shadowing two top agents as their operations manager, starting her own team when she moved to a new city, building her business on a shoestring budget by prospecting three to five hours per day, how she gets 50% of her business from expired listings and 20% of her business from for sale by owners, her exact approach to expired listings and FISBOs, including scripts, dialogues, objection handling, role-playing, and her full marketing plan, how she's able to maintain a 70% net profit margin, her manual file tracking system, team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Christy. Thank you. I'm excited about sharing and hopefully bringing some contribution to the agent. Well, Christy, it's great to have you here. Christy, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay, and that's a great question. So, um, Mike, I've actually been in real estate since I graduated from high school. I worked as a receptionist at a real estate company while I was going to school at night. And so it sort of just evolved from there. I was in that administration position for about 10 years, working for two different real estate companies. And from there, I gained exposure to two top producing agents, which is where I learned a lot of the basics and foundation of what has enabled me to be successful as an agent. Tell me a little bit about that. Did you work in the administrative side of the brokerage and just notice what these top agents were doing, or did you work inside of one or both of their teams? Actually, I was what they called the operations manager for their company, and it was two top producing agents. Both of them sold in excess of 100 homes a year individually, and they joined together and opened a Century 21 firm together. And so I ran their office, which meant that I managed their teams. And that would include, you know, listing managers, closing managers, buyer agents, and a relocation director. And so I kind of helped them oversee that whole operation. And any training 
seminars and events and things that they went to, I went with them. So I got exposed to, to a lot of great stuff kind of early on. And I relocated to a different city in Virginia, Roanoke, as a result of, of family stuff. So when I came here is when I went out on my own as an agent. Well, you had that background, that indoctrination into how a top performing team works, the systems. You basically had a model that you could use from your own personal experience of being in the middle of the machine. That's fantastic. It, it really was, and very instrumental in you know being able to do it myself because just like you said, I had that model, and and that's exactly what I did. Is is just you know exactly what they did. I set up here and. You know, that's some of the questions that you had is, can an agent move to a new town and do it? And, you know, absolutely, they can. The information, the ideas and systems you learned in the first operation applied in the second city or the second location. You didn't see that there was a big difference. No, I didn't. It's just a matter of, you know, taking the systems and the fundamentals and, you know, the activities that, you know, you do it in one place and do the same thing in, in, in the new place. And how long have you been in Roanoke running your own team? Since 2000. Since 2000, so about 14 years. Mm-hmm. When you moved to Roanoke and you started out on your own, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I think it was pretty fast. The first year in the business here in Roanoke, I sold 38 homes, and I think that was a fair amount. And but the, you know it's amazing because I, I mean I honestly didn't know anyone here except for my parents and uh, they had just relocated here so they also didn't know anyone. Um, I was six months pregnant and actually living with my parents until our home sold. And you know all I did, Mike, was get on the phone and call people. I called you know expired for sale by owners. I called around my company's listings around their sales, and literally, you know, stayed on the phone four or five hours a day building the business and the database. So that's what you attribute your fast start to, is you were out there prospecting. Yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of agents hate that word, but it works. You proved that it works. You moved to an area you didn't know anybody. It's not like you could tap into a sphere of influence. As you said, you had to go out there and build your database, and and you did it the inexpensive way, where it sounds like you had more time than money, and so you got on the phone and made those calls. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely more time than money. How many homes did you sell last year? 101. Do you remember the sales volume? Yeah, it was about $14 million. Congratulations. Those are some great numbers. Do you recall how many homes you sold in your best year? About 141. Tell me, where is Roanoke, Virginia? It is located about four hours, four and a half hours from Washington, D.C. I, I guess about three hours from Richmond, Virginia. Very mountainous. We've got a beautiful lake here. It's called Smith Mountain Lake. I checked actually yesterday, and our population is just over about 90,000 some, so not a huge area. So if you were going to describe kind of the lay of the land to people, are you in a what you would describe as an urban area with suburbs, or are you more distributed where it's, the properties are further apart and they're, they've got a piece of land to them or maybe ranches? Or How would you describe the type of real estate that you're selling? 
you know, it's interesting because we have um, a, a little bit of everything. We've got, uh, you know, the city living, which would offer, you know, sidewalks and cafes and, you know, being able to walk to different locations. And then we've got Smith Mountain Lake, which is a lot of second home situations. And then we've got suburban, uh, where we've got, you know, subdivisions and golf course communities. And then we do have the rural areas where you can get, you know, farms, acreage, land, you know, lots of mountain views. And so I, I feel like it's a great place that kind of offers a little bit of, of everything. Could you describe the local market? It's an interesting market, and it it's, uh, it, it is sort of what I would refer to as, as kind of up and down. It, uh, last year at this time, it was uh, ahead of where we are right now as far as market conditions go. But to answer some specific questions, Mike, our average sales price year-to-date right now across the Roanoke area is 191.905. So, you know, in that kind of... 80 to 250 range is sort of what's selling, and the average days on market is 206 for a home to sell. If I understood correctly, it sounds like your overall market average price is around 191, and your average price is around 140s, 145. Are you working the lower end of the market? Well, no, I think that values have increased a little bit. That was our average sales price last year, and I'd actually have to run figures to see where we are this year. But I really sort of work right in that mid-price range, more or less. It wouldn't be considered the lower end for our area. Do you have a a niche or a specialization in your market? Expired listings and for sale by owners really make up the greater portion of our listing sales side of the business. It sounds like that's where you get the majority of your business is from the prospecting and the working expired listings and for sale by owners. Is that true? It is true. It is. And and then, you know, I I always believe that as an agent, if you control the inventory, you control your business because obviously the more listings we have, the more the phone is going to ring and the more opportunities we have to convert, you know, leads to either listings taken or buyer sales. So I do focus on listing inventory and and keeping that up. At at any given time, we carry anywhere from 40 to 70 active listings. Let's talk about your expired listing program. First of all, how do you find the expired listings? Are you doing your own research? Are you using a service? I do my own research and each day in our market, we pull what's called a hot sheet and that's a daily report shows us, you know, new listings, those that have sold, those that have reduced their price, and those that have expired from the market. So I'm able to just print that report each day and then pull the full MLS report, which, you know, gives me all the information about the home along with the seller's name. And then, you know, we just use primarily the white pages and, and tax records to find, you know, their address and or phone number if, if possible. Are you using a reverse directory then to, to find the phone number from the address? I've used, you know, those in the past and, and also companies that do it for you. And, you know, I, it, I've found that we're able to get as much data on our own as, as you know, some of the companies and um, faster uh, in a lot of cases. So we're, we're really just using white pages, which is, it, it, it's free and then you can upgrade, but we, we just use the basic free version and that's, that's how we're able to 
find most of our data. Are you able to put in the address and it will tell you the name and the phone number, or do you have the name already? How are, how are you doing the search itself? We do have the names already for expires, for, for sale by owners. In most cases, you don't have the name, but yes, with the white pages, um, you can put in a name, an address, or a phone number, and then you know, do the reverse search that way you're doing your own data research. Once you collect all that data, where are you putting the data so that you can monitor it? Are you keeping it on a, a printout, a piece of paper, or do you have it in some type of software that you're tracking all of these expired leads? Yeah, I'm a very manual person, Mike, so I just print them and then write the information right on the MLS printout. And and then um as far as maintaining it, I um, my lead follow-up system is also manual. So I have file folders that are labeled one through thirty-one, which represents you know the date of the month. So today is sixteenth. So today I'm working on all of the leads that are in you know the file that's labeled sixteen, which represents the sixteenth of the month. And then I have January through December. And depending upon what the lead, the client, customer tells me, I put the sheet, the MLS printout with all their information in whatever date or month I want to follow back up with them. You are very comfortable with this manual follow-up system. So you're keeping it all in paper. You're making your notes on the paper. You're putting them into the folders that are corresponding with the day that you want to make the next call or the month that you want to make the next call. And that sounds like that's working well for you. It's working very well. And I've used, you know, different programs in the past and, you know, software programs and, you know, all kinds of different things um, to find out what works best. And this is, you know technology proof, if you will, from anything going wrong. It's also something that I can take with me on, you know, vacation. If I decide to go to work at Starbucks for the day, I just grab today's folder with all the leads in it and, you know, have that to work with and from. So you did try some of the software. You just weren't weren't happy with the way it was working. You felt more comfortable. Uh, You must be very tactile. You like the, the manual process. I am. My whole business is, is set up very, very manual. That's great. As you know, I'm only looking for systems that work. It doesn't matter to me what the system is. So I think that's great. You found a system that works and you're comfortable with. So you've got this manual follow-up program. Could you tell us about the the system that you use with these expireds? You've talked about how you collect the data How does the contact go from there? What do you do as soon as you receive it in day one, day two, day three? How are you following up with these expireds to turn them into a a listing appointment? Yeah, great question. So uh, the day that they expire, I have a package of information that I send in the regular mail to them. And it is sent in a plain white self-addressed envelope so that it looks like something personal that will cause them and compel them to actually open it. Um, And then inside of there is just, you know, a a letter to them, you know, I noticed that your home expired from the market, reaching out to see if you plan on interviewing a different agent for the job of helping you. Here's a list of other folks who, like yourself, you know, tried another agent that couldn't sell it that we were able to list and sell. 
there's a team brochure, which, you know, is, is kind of just an advertisement of our team and what we offer and what we do, a magnet business card. And, you know, again, I think one of the biggest keys to this working for me is that it is in a plain white self-addressed envelope because people actually do open it. So that is mailed on day one, and then they also receive a phone call. If they're not home or we get voicemail, I leave a message for them. And then they will go in my follow-up to call on day two if I did not reach them. And on day two, I will hopefully reach them and set an appointment, but we'll go ahead and leave a second message if I don't reach them on the first day. Then I'll wait a few days, long enough for them to receive the package that I mailed on day one, put them in the lead follow-up to call them, you know, in a couple days, and then that phone call is to follow up and make sure that they receive the package of information that we mailed to them on day one. And then from that point, Mike, where they go in my lead follow-up is really dependent upon whether or not I was ever able to make contact with them and or, you know, what their story and what their plan is as far as relisting. Let's go back to day one. You did a pretty good job there of explaining what it was. Uh, I'm trying to get a real clear picture of it. So it's a, a blank white envelope. Is it a standard size envelope, a number 10 envelope, or is it an oversized envelope? Regular size and, and plain white. So it's not letterhead type envelope, just plain white. Are you writing in the address? You're handwriting it in? Yes. How about the return address? You're handwriting that in as well? Handwriting that in as well. And here's what we do with the packages. We make them in bulk ahead of time. So, you know, 50, 100, you know, we've made as many as 300 at a time when we had, you know, a plentiful supply of expired listings on a daily basis. And so these packages are already in the envelopes, taped and ready to go. My staff is the one that will, you know, write the return address so that when I'm prospecting and making the phone calls, as I'm making the the call on day one is when I'm addressing it to the person while I'm making the phone call. Up in that upper left-hand corner of the envelope in the return address, are you putting your name, your company name, just the address of your business? What are you doing in that return area? Because you mentioned to me that this is a, a on purpose, it's plain white, so it looks like it's personal, it's not coming from a company. So I'm curious, what do you write up there in the return address? Yeah, on the top is like my signature, which, you know, you really can't read. And then underneath that is my company's business address. So my company, you know, Remax is not on there at all. It's just, it's my signature and that's more than anything for my receptionist to know whose it is if it gets returned in the mail. She knows those are my packages and to, to return them. So it is, you know, sort of my signature and the company address as, as the return address. Now they open it up. You have this personal letter. You've mentioned that it explains that you recognize they've come off the market. And I, and I thought what was really nice in there is that you have a list of other people who have expired. Do you also have testimonials from those folks? I have testimonials on our team brochure, not specific to expired or for sale by owner. Just, you know, some of them may make reference to we've, you know, tried another agent or we were for sale by owner, but not specific to those list of homes. In that letter, is it a one-page letter, two-page letter? How many sheets of paper? 
that particular letter is a one-page letter. What is the call to action in that letter? Are you asking them to call you or email you, or, or what are you asking them to do? Yeah, if they're looking to interview a different agent you know, for the job of selling their home, call or email us to see how we can help you get the results you're looking for. Also, something I didn't mention before that is in there as well, Mike, is a list of commonly asked questions about selling a home with the answers. And what I did to create that is come up with the top 10 objections that I noticed that I get from sellers, and I gave the answers to those objections. You have these top 10 objections that you've been hearing. You give them this, this frequently asked questions form. Can you tell us some of the, the objections that, that you have listed there and, and your responses, you know, kind of give us an idea of what they would see? Unfortunately, I don't have that with me, but off the top of my head, you know, will you reduce your commission? How long will it take to sell my home? What do you, what do, you do different than the other agent? And I actually wrote a book that is an objection handler book, and so the answers to that came directly from the book. What I would encourage agents to do is, to, like I said, do, just do exactly like I did. Come up with the list of questions and objections that you face and then write your answers. You, you could use, you know, you could probably Google and find answers like that, but I believe in having it be relative to the agent's, you know, personality, experience, and the results that they're able to provide. How often does the expired call you directly off the letter? What percentage of the time is it they're contacting you as opposed to you making the call to them? You know, that's a great question. And I always contact them on on day one. I will reach out and, and, like I said, either leave a message for them or try to reach them. If I don't have a phone number for them, I'm still going to mail. And I don't have the exact numbers or statistics, but it is very, very consistent that I receive phone calls from expired listings that will say, you know, we got your package in the mail or we got your message and, you know, we're looking to set an appointment. It's, it's very consistent to the point of, you know, probably three, four, five a week. In the mail, I think one of the reasons why that may be so impactful is that there's not a lot of junk mail. In, in you know anymore like it used to be, and you know so many of us are using email and text and you know mail is sort of the thing of the past. So when somebody gets something in the mail that's self-addressed and looks like personal, they're kind of excited and they open it. And so I, I think that may be one of the reasons why that's you know why that works. And as you mentioned, you're following that up with the phone call. So so you're adding two methods of contact. Can we do that? Can we talk about the script that you're using when you're making that phone call? First of all, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear what you say when you get a voicemail, because I assume that happens a lot the first time. And then if it's okay with you, I'd like to go through a role play with you on on how you handle the the call. So the message is, you know, Hi, this is Christy Crouch with the Crouch team at Remax All Points. I noticed that your home came off the market this morning and just wanted to reach out to see if you guys may be considering the idea of interviewing a different realtor for the job of helping you with that. 
know, if you are, I would love the opportunity for our team to meet with you and show you what we could offer as far as marketing, advertising, and servicing you. We work with a lot of folks here in the area, and we've actually been able to sell X number of homes so far this year. I mention that just because, you know, I feel confident that we could ultimately help you get yours sold as well. And given the opportunity, we definitely would take excellent care of you. If we can be of support to you, our office number direct is, and hope to uh, connect with you soon. You said you're getting a lot of callbacks on that voice message. I do. I do. And I think that uh, the key to the whole system working with these expires is that you know, you, that you're consistent in, in following up with them. Um, you know, the mail goes out the first day, you call them the first day. If you don't reach them, you call them the second day, at which point, you know, if I leave a second message, it would be, hey, you know, I don't mean to be bothersome. I know I had left you guys a message yesterday. I noticed that you had not put the home back on the market, you know, as of this afternoon. Just wanted to reach out again to see if we could be of support to you. I actually went ahead. I dropped a card with some information in the mail to you yesterday. And once you receive that, if you would be interested in allowing us the chance to come meet with you, we have that opportunity. And so that's kind of the gist of the second message. And then, you know, if if you're following up again after you, you know, give them a few days to receive the package of information, then, of course, that third message would be, hey, don't, I always like to say I don't need to be bothersome, just wanted to give you a quick follow-up call. I've left you a couple messages last week. Wanted to, you know, just take a quick minute to make sure that you receive the package of information that I mailed out to you and, you know, just once again offer you some terrific assistance with marketing the home and getting it sold. If we can be of support, you know, please let us know. So you're a big believer in leaving a message, leaving a voicemail. Some people, they say when you call expireds and for sell by owners, which we'll get to later, but you call those folks. If they're not there, just hang up and call the next one. You like to leave a message. Love to leave a message. In fact, I pray for voicemail um, in many cases (laughs) because, you know, I'm able to confidently, you know, and clearly say what I want to say and have them actually hear it instead of, you know, instantly wanting to reject and give you an objection, which is human nature and what we all do. You know, you walk into a store and they say, you know, welcome to whatever today, how can I help you? No, thanks, I'm just looking. It's, it's an automatic response. But if they're allowed to actually hear the message, receive the information, and have some time to digest that, I think it, it, it actually, well, I don't think, I know that it produces great results. And the way that I came about it, Mike, was, you know, I guess, what is it, a decade ago or whatever, when we, when caller ID came out. And you know that people are sitting there screening their phone calls. And so my number of contacts dropped drastically back then. And I was having to come in, you know, in the evenings from 7 to 9 or on Saturdays to try to make up for the contacts that I wasn't able to, to reach, you know, during the day or whatever. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try leaving messages and see how it goes. And it just the results were really astounding. It sounded to me as though you have this script memorized, but you probably wrote it out the first dozen or so times. Do you use a script each time you make these calls? And did you use a script in the early days? Always have used a script, yes. And I, it is to the point now where I don't have to have the script in front of me, and that just you know came from saying it over and over again. 
Um, and that, that's something that in the early days, I mean, I, I would get up in the mornings and that would be part of my schedule and, you know, part of the, the day is to read that script, you know, five or ten times over and over again so that it did become natural for me and so that it doesn't sound like I'm reading a script. Well, Christy, that's what you do when you get voicemail. Would you mind playing a, a role play with me if it were a live call? I'll be the seller, you be yourself. Would you mind if we went through that exercise for a minute? Okay. All right, so ring, ring. Hello? Hello, is this Mike? Yeah, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, I know your time is real important. Um, real quick, my name is Christy Crouch, and I'm an agent here with the Crouch team at Remax All Point. Mike, I noticed that your home came off the market this morning, and I just wanted to reach out to see if you guys may be considering the idea of interviewing a different realtor for the job of helping you. You know, we probably will be doing that. I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're, we're kind of confused right now kind of confused you mean as to whether or not to put it back on the market or which agent to list with yeah we we need to get the home sold this agent you know was highly recommended but it didn't work out and i'm not very happy with the agent my wife still wants to try i'm not sure what we're going to do yeah i I see that it's been on the market for what about six months is that right yeah it was a painful six months I hear you. It's a painful market out here right now, Mike. It really is. It's kind of up, down, and everywhere in between. I'm curious, when do you guys sell this home? Are y'all staying in the area, or, or what's what's causing you to sell it? Yeah, we're we're going to stay in the area. We've got a, a an area picked out that we'd like to move to up by the lake. Oh, the lake. Okay, well, that'll be nice. And and you had it on the market. Um what, what type of feedback and such did you get from the showings that took place and the agents and buyers that came through the house? Uh, what's feedback? Feedback, so like, you know, if an agent showed that and, and the buyer didn't make an offer, did, did you find out, you know, what they liked or what they didn't like about the home? Oh, our, our agent never told us that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's something that's it's kind of important for you as a seller, you know, to know what other professionals you know, feel about how the home shows and the pricing that you have, and as well, you know, what the buyers liked or didn't like about it. So that's something that we would definitely do for you, um, you know, should you decide to hire our team for the job of helping you. Um, so I know you said you're not quite sure, Mike, and that your wife is, is, is still confident with your agent. And, you know, I'm sure the agent did everything that they know and, and did the best they could to get the home exposed. Um, at this point, you know, it can't hurt to talk with a different company, a different agent, and, you know, just get a second opinion about the market that we're dealing with right now, the price, and, you know, just kind of hear what, what another company and an agent may have to offer as, as far as, you know, getting it exposed. So I'd love the opportunity to come meet with you and, you know, show you what we could offer. Um, actually, we'll be in your area at uh, the end of this week, and I could come out on Thursday or Friday afternoon. Would, would one of those times work for you guys? Uh, yeah, you know, maybe Friday afternoon. Okay. I could do three or four on Friday, which would work better? I think four would work better. Uh, my wife won't get home until 3.30, so uh, four o'clock would probably be better. 
four, right? All right. So, and before I come out, my information that uh, I'd like to email to you um, that will just give you a little bit of background on our team. And there's also an article that I wrote about what to expect when selling a home in today's market. And then I can also actually go ahead and email you um, an updated market analysis so that you and your wife can have a chance to, you know, look over that information before we meet. And, um, you know, it will show you what other homes you're in competition with as well as those that have recently sold. Um, is that something that you think would be helpful ahead of time? Uh, yeah. Is there any charge for that? No, no, it's completely free, and of course, when I come out on Friday, I'll be going over that with you in detail, um, but I found that a lot of my sellers like to have that information ahead of time to be able to, you know, discuss it and really absorb the numbers and, and see exactly, you know, like I said, how your home is comparing. So if you'll give me your email address, I'll go ahead and get all this information out to you today. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, it's, uh, it's Mike at Mike.com. Okay. Okay, great. Well, I will send this information to you, Mike, and then uh, if anything comes up for you or needs to change, just let me know. Otherwise, I'll plan on seeing you guys there at your house Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Sounds good, Christy. Uh, Thanks for the call. Okay. Thanks so much for the opportunity to meet with you guys, and uh, I hope you all have a nice evening. Okie doke. Bye-bye. Well, Christy, nice job. It sounds like you just got yourself a listing appointment. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) of course that could go a thousand different directions depending upon you know the mood of the expired and you know the zillion different objections that they may or may not come up with um and and that's something that's critical is that you know agents do practice their objection handling ability um again that, that with that i would recommend that you know they take the time to write down the objections that they notice either that they're receiving or even more that they're afraid of getting. Like, oh, no, I, I, I still even get that feeling in the pit of my stomach when the phone is ringing. Like, oh, God, what if, they, what if they say this? Or what if they say that? Um, but if you, if you practice it, then, you know, you're prepared for it, and you'll be able to comfortably, conversationally handle it with the client. Yeah, I really liked how in our little role play there, you were flexible. You were on your feet. You were asking questions. You were digging into where the seller was in their position in the market, their motivation, what they wanted to do. Uh, you, you were digging a lot, and then you were able to adjust your response based on what they said. Yeah, that's a huge thing that you're pointing out there, Mike. Is questions is huge because the more questions, the more we are in control of the conversation versus them being in control, you know, and, and, and drilling us with questions. Um, it also keeps them engaged, you know, in the conversation so that, you know, they are talking exactly like what you said about themselves, their, you know, experience of, of what they're dealing with right now and where they're looking to go, um, which, which tells us, you know, how to handle things from that point. Christy, you also mentioned there are standard or common objections that come up during these calls. Could you tell us what is the the biggest objection that you'll hear from an expired listing and how you handle it? I think that, you know, recently, in recent years, it's been, you know, you also have to determine the difference between, you know, what is an an objection that we can actually do something about and what is, you know, what we would call a condition that, 
you know, can't be handled. Like in today's market, a lot of times they owe a certain amount. And unless they get that amount, they can't sell because they don't have the money to bring to the table. So in that case, it's, you know, we may or may not be able to help them because if it's not price right, it's not going to sell. Um, around that, I think it would be we're going to relist with the same agent. And at that point, you know, the agent calling has to determine to what level they want to push that envelope. Um, you know, for me, I tread lightly on it nowadays um, because I, I don't have to. But in the earlier years when I was building my business, you know, I did challenge that. And, you know, it would be, you know, I can appreciate that you're thinking about relisting, you know, with the same agent. And I'm sure they did, you know, the best that they could and everything that they knew how to do to get your home sold. And so, you know, and looking out for your best interest, you know, whether you list with me or a different agent or, you know, relist with the same agent like you're talking about, I'm really curious as to what you think that agent will be able to do, you know, this time around that they haven't already tried. That's a pretty powerful statement. I believe you said something along the lines of what the agent knew how to do. You've created a little bit of doubt in the seller's mind that the agent has maxed out their abilities and that you may have another solution. Is that on purpose? That is on purpose. And, you know, and and true, because, you know, if if they're confident confident enough to relist with the same agent, then surely that agent you know, has done a lot for them and done, you know, everything that they know. And, and sometimes it, it is just time to make a change, get, get some fresh new energy, a new approach, a new sign, and, you know, sort of rejuvenate things a little bit. And you, you have to be okay with that as an agent on both sides. In the same note that if I have a listing and, you know, it's been on the market for six, eight months or a year in, in the, these recent, you know, times, then I'll say to them, you know, it may be time to, you know, try something different and and be okay with the fact that that all is just part of our business. Any other objections that you'll hear when you're calling up these expired listings? We're just going to take it off the market. You know, we tried it. It didn't work. We're frustrated. You know, we're just going to take it off the market. And what I found from pushing that, you know, through to the next level. It's, a lot of times it's a smokescreen. You know, it's just like if you're going into the store and they say, can I help you find something? No, thanks. I'm just looking. But you have every intention to buy something in that store that you just walked into. It is just an automatic response for us. So I would just say, you know, Cash, I hear you. It's, it's, it's been a very challenging market and, you know, it's taking much longer for homes to sell than any of us would like. I'm curious, if the home had sold, where were you thinking about moving to? And the key is to go back to just engaging them in a conversation and asking questions to find out, are they really planning to just give up or are they just frustrated? So it's a smokescreen, and you move towards asking them questions about their motivation or where they want to go. What's their next step? Yeah. Yeah, and then finding out if if there's somewhere to go together from there. And I, I really just, you know, instead of thinking of it as prospecting or, you know, being all in your head and nervous and all that, I just always like to, you know, think of it as if you're talking to your friend or a family member and, you know, imagine that they've had their house on the market for, you know, six months or a year. It hasn't sold. We're dealing with this market, you know, and kind of put yourself in their shoes and and really, you know, get connected with them. 
And, um, you know, something that I learned over the years is, you know, you talk about building rapport, and building rapport comes from, you know, being like them and engaging them. And so by being like them, I mean that matching their rate of speech. If they're a fast talker, you should talk a little faster. If they're a slow talker, you should talk a little slower. Like, you know, match and mirror who and how they are because that ultimately will make them feel more comfortable. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So we have two of the, the major objections. Have you ever heard of the objection, uh, do you have a buyer for my home? Yeah, or that brings me to the next one is, you know, wh- why didn't you show my home while it was on the market? Yeah, those are both great questions, and, and I will acknowledge them with that. You know, that's a great question. If I were you, I'd ask the same thing. And, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, an agent has actually taken the time to explain how the business works, but, you know, the way that it works is that, you know, in most cases, there is a listing agent and their job is to, you know, get the home actively and aggressively exposed to the market. And then there's a buyer's agent that represents the buyer. And their job, of course, is to make sure that the buyer has access to all of the homes that are for sale and to show them around. And so... You know, if I had a buyer that was looking to be in your area and in your price range, I definitely would have shown it. And, you know, so my job as your listing agent is going to be to, you know, market the home, advertise the home, and get you maximum exposure both to buyers, you know, direct in the marketplace as well as to all the other agents that are out here. So it's an education process. I think so, yeah. It really is an education process because they think a lot of times that, you know, the listing agent is going to be the one primarily showing the home and ultimately selling it when in reality, you know, and I'll tell my sellers this on the listing appointment, I may never show your home. Our team may never bring a buyer through here. I mean, if we have a buyer that's, you know, pre-approved looking for a home like yours in your location, obviously we're going to show it because our job is to sell it. And if we sell it, we get paid twice, you know, the amount of money. But the likelihood of us bringing the buyer is, you know, not really high. Christy, in these conversations with the expired listing, assuming that the feedback you're hearing from them is sounding positive and there's an opportunity to set an appointment, a lot of agents are nervous about asking for that appointment. What's your favorite script or phrase to ask for the appointment? I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And, uh, you know, I'd love to slide by and meet with you for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, just meet you in person and have an opportunity to talk in a little bit more detail with you about our current market conditions and just, you know, take a few minutes to show you what our team could offer and answer any questions that you have. There's no obligation. There's no expense. I'm not the type of agent that's, you know, going to try to pressure you into anything. Just, you know, provide you with the information and, and see if, yeah, this is something that I can help you with. Christy, when dealing with expired listings, how about results? And what I mean by that is 
if you get 10 expired leads and you start them through your process, how many of those will end up in an appointment? How many of 10 would end up in an appointment? I would say probably five to seven. Oh, wow. If they are planning to keep their home on the market. You know, if, if it's one of those condition type things and, you know, the, if I can get the person on the phone and they are motivated to sell, you know, I'm able to set the appointment pretty often. Once you go out there, how about that ratio? So if, if you go on uh, five appointments, uh, how many of those end up signing up? About 85% of the time we're able to take the listing if we go out on the appointment. So basically what I'm kind of thinking in my head is if you had 10 expired leads that came in and you started them through your process, ultimately you're going to end up with about four signed listings. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that would probably sound about right, yeah. Any other recommendations you have for agents who are thinking about starting an expired program? I think just, you know, not allowing the fear and, you know, the self-doubt to get in the way because, I, I mean, without a doubt, this works and you can build a strong business from, from doing this. The other thing that I do is uh, hold on to them if, you know, I've mailed them and called them and, you know, wasn't able to set an appointment. If, if they don't relist the home, I'll just, you know, put them in future follow-up to, to give a call for another few months and not really discount them because a lot of times they do just need a break and they are frustrated, but they'll come back on the market, you know, depending on the time of year, after the holidays, in the spring market, after school lets out, that sort of thing. And so I will put them in, and that's what I call old expired calling. And that's a great source of business for realtors right now to go back as far as, you know, even three years ago and pull up any listings that have expired in the last, you know, three or four years and call them and say, hey, I noticed you had your home on the market a couple years ago. It didn't sell. Just wanted to reach out and see if that's something that you guys may be reconsidering and, you know, see if I come out and talk to you about helping you with that. Well, Christy, let's do this. Let's switch gears. We're going to stay on marketing and lead generation, but let's talk about for sale by owners. It sounds like you've had quite a bit of success with for sale by owners. Let's walk through your process there. We'll start back up at the top. How are you finding the for sale by owners? For sale by owners is a little bit trickier than expires, but um, this is also something that we do ourselves and and, uh, manually, and we just, you know, go on to the different sites that, you know, the for sale by owners list their homes, Craigslist, um, for sale by owner.com, Zillow, you know, all, all the different public sites where for sale by owners can advertise their homes. And then, of course, you know, the Sunday paper where they put their open houses. And then just everybody that knows me knows that if they see your for sale by owners on to, you know, text phone number and a picture of the house to me. Um, just, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, to, you know, let me know whenever they see it for sale by owner. You said they, they send you the picture as well? Picture of the house? Yeah, they'll take a picture of the, you know, sign with the phone number on it and the house, and here's a for sale by owner. Do you give out a, a reward if they do that? I do. I'll buy them a $100 gift card. If I'm able to list it and close it, I'll send them, you know, a thank you note with a $100 gift card. 
that's how you're finding them. I'm assuming from our, our earlier conversation that you, you put them into a, a manual filing system. Do you have a standard form or sheet that you use that you've designed? Um, if they have an ad on Craigslist, I'll print it and, you know, keep my notes right on there. So that way I've got the ad and, you know, all the information about their home. And those leads go into the same follow-up system as the expired. That lead follow-up system I use for all of my leads, whether buyer, seller, you know, expired for sale to owner. I also use it to, you know, remember things that I need to do with, you know, personal and business life. It's kind of, it kind of is my life, that lead follow-up system. But uh, yeah, they go in there and the way that I work for sell by owners is a little bit different because I have found that they're going to try it on their own in most cases for a you know, certain amount of time. And so rather than call them on day one and day two, I stretch it out to a week. So I will call them and mail to them the first week that I see them, and then the second week, and then the third week. So it's very similar to the expired system, except that instead of day one, day two, it's week one, week two, and week three. And at the end of that week? At the end of that week, if you know, it, it again is dependent upon whether or not I was actually able to reach them or had to leave a message and kind of how, you know, circumstances played out as to where they will go in my lead follow-up from that point. If, you know, if I feel like they're a viable lead and somebody that, that will ultimately, you know, set an appointment, then, then I'll keep in touch with them, um, you know, based on what they say. We're going to try it for six months. Well, I'm, whatever they say, obviously we're going to cut that time in at least half and follow up with them again. With for sale by owners, my whole goal is to just introduce myself to them you know, acknowledge that they're marketing the home on their own, wish them luck, and just, you know, ask them that if on the outside chance they do end up deciding to hire an agent, you know, I'd love the opportunity to interview with you, apply for the job, and show you what our team could offer. And then to just sort of set myself up to become um, a source for them to go to if they have questions or, you know, challenges or need information while they're marketing it on their own. You said you don't call them on day one or contact them on day one. You said it's week one. And so I assume that means that if you got a lead today, you'd probably wait five, six, seven days before you started your contact procedures. Is that right? Yeah, because, you know, I don't want to be that agent that calls them the day that they put the sign in the yard. You know, they're going for sell by owner for a reason, and I want to honor that and, you know, kind of validate that decision. For sell by owners tend to be people that, a couple different categories, they either have to do it because they can't afford an agent, they don't like agents because they have had a bad experience or for whatever reason they have their opinions of realtors, or there's the for sell by owner that just, you know, has to say, I tried it on my own to see if I could do it to save the commission and ultimately list. So it's kind of figuring out which, which one of those they are and then, you know, handling it from there appropriately. Do you send out a packet of information to the first sell by owner like you did with the expired? I do, and it's almost exactly the same package. Really, the only difference is that letter that says, you know, here's a list of expireds. It would say, here's a list of for sell by owners. And what I encourage, you know, agents who 
don't have a list of expires or for sale by owners that they've helped that, you know, they see if their company does. And then you could say, here's a list of, you know, for sale by owners that our company has helped. And anytime an agent doesn't have their own stats and numbers that they go back to and depend on their company's stats and numbers to use until they are able to build a business. When you're writing in those lists of people that you've helped into this letter, are you writing in the seller's name or their address, sales price? What information are you giving in that letter? Just the address. Okay. So that's the packet of information that goes out. And you said that goes out during week one. You're also making a call, an initial call. Can you tell us what you would say if you received voicemail on that initial for sale by owner call? Yeah, I can. And I want to mention, you know, my messages are somewhat long-winded. And so, you know, you may, uh, an agent may think, well, I'll never be able to say that without getting cut off. You know, nine times out of ten, I'm able to get the message out without getting cut off. Um, But when I do, I just simply call back and say, hey, I'm, you know, sorry about that long-winded message. Just wanted to, you know, finish up and I just finished the message. Um, So for the, for sale by owners, it's, you know, it's a very similar script to expired. And so I would just say, you know, hi, this is Christy Crouch with the Crouch team at Remax All Points. I noticed that you're marketing your home on your own as for sale by owner. And hopefully you guys will have great luck with that, you know, with your location and all that the home seems to offer. Um, you know, hopefully you'll sell it on your own. I just wanted to touch base with you on the chance that you do end up deciding to hire an agent. If you guys get to that point, I would love to interview with you and you know, apply for the job of helping and show you what our team could offer as far as marketing, advertising, and services. We work with a lot of folks here in the area, and you know, we've actually been able to sell X number of homes so far this year. Um, I mentioned that to you just because I do feel confident that we could ultimately help you get yours sold as well. And we definitely would take great care of you given the opportunity. So um, as you're marketing home on your own, if questions we can answer or anything we can do to be of support, our number is. And that's kind of the gist of the, you know, the message, the first message. Wow. Yeah, that is very similar to the expired voicemail, isn't it? It is. You must have crafted that over the years and determined that this combination of words works really well to elicit a response. It does. It does. I think one of the key words here is on the outside chance that you do end up deciding to hire an agent because it sort of removes the pressure for them. You know, it is an outside chance and she's not trying to, you know, pressure me into anything. And then also in the beginning that, you know, with your location and all that your home seems to offer, I'm sure you guys will have great luck getting it sold on your own, validates that, you know, hey, you've got this, and it, and it may very well end up working out for you. Well, just as we did with the expired, would you mind doing a role play with me for a for sale by owner if you were to get in touch with them with that first call? Okay. All right, so ring, ring. Hello? Hello, is this uh, the owner of the home? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I own the home, the, the ones that's for sale. Are you, are you thinking about buying it? Yeah, no, actually, um, my name is Christy Crouch. I'm a realtor here with the Crouch team at Remax All Points. And I did notice, of course, that you, you know, are marketing the home on your own as for sale by owner. And 
you know, I just wanted to touch base with you on the outside chance that you do, you know, end up deciding to hire an agent. I wondered if you get to that point, if I may have the opportunity to interview with you and apply for the job of helping you. Oh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot on our own, but uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, I, I guess we'd be talking to agents. Okay, great. Well, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd love to be one that you interview with. I actually have a package of information that I could mail out to you, and that would just give you a little bit of background, you know, on our team and and what we can offer. Would it be okay if I sent that in the mail to you? Oh, sure, sure, that'd be fine. Okay, great. And so when you sell this house, are y'all staying here in the area or, or uh, what's causing you to sell the house? Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to be moving up to the lake. We're pretty excited about uh, uh, the idea of moving up there and being right on the water. Oh, yeah, it's definitely beautiful. So, Mike, I'm curious, have you guys already bought a home on the lake or are you focusing on selling this one first and, and then finding your new home? Yeah, we we figured we better wait until we get this one sold first because the market's been so weird and and we just want to be more you know feel better about it and have the cash to go to the second one. That makes sense, and and yeah, the market has definitely been a bit squirrely, and uh, that it's it's nice that you're not. It doesn't sound like you're in a position to where you sell in a certain time frame or you know have any pressure involved. Is, is that right? Yeah, we're we're just doing this because we want to be up by the lake, and you know we're going to be retiring, and so it's uh, it's it's not like we have to be there in a week or something. It's just something we want to do, and we're excited about it, and we've been dreaming about it for years, and now I think we can make it happen. Yeah, and it's a great time to look at buying at the lake because I don't know if you know or not, but we're definitely in a buyer's market across our area, and so there's you know we have over an eleven months supply of inventory right now. And so hopefully you'll find that there'll be plenty of homes for you to choose from there at the lake, and, and uh, hopefully you'll get a good buy on something as well. Have you actually looked at anything yet or gotten a feel for what the lake market has to offer? Oh, we drive by them all the time, and we've gone into a couple of open houses, but that's about it. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'd be happy if at some point you, you think it might be helpful, Mike. I could just email you um, you know, all of the homes that are currently for sale at the lake based on what you're looking for and you know each report would give you all the information about each home pictures and address and even directions um, so that you could like you said drop by and see the different locations and outsides of the properties and just be you know up to date on the inventory so that when your home you're you know not starting from scratch would that be something that uh, you think would be helpful to you yeah that might be nice okay um, well, let me go ahead and you know get an idea of what you're looking for. Um, you know, what what price are you trying to stay under, and how many bedrooms and bathrooms and, and such are you guys hoping for? Yeah, we we talked to a lender, and we need to keep it under seven fifty. Okay, under seven fifty. And you said you're do you, do you want to be on the water, lakefront property? Yeah, we're looking to be on the lake. Uh, it's just me and my wife, but we want a four bedroom house because we have the grandkids with us a lot. Okay, so you want some space and, and on the lake, all right. Well, what I'll do, Mike, is I'll go ahead and, you know, pull up everything that's for sale, and, and uh, I've got your email address here from where, you know, I saw your ad there on Craigslist. So is that the email address that I should send the homes to? Yeah, that'd be great. 
Okay. Well, I will, um, I'm going to do two things. I'll, I'll research and, you know, send you these homes to look over, and then I'll mail that package of information um, that I mentioned. And then if it's okay, I'll, I'll follow up with you in a few days, make sure you got everything, and just see if there's any questions or, you know, anything I can do to be a further support. Would that be all right? Oh, that sounds good. Okay, great. Well, I will get this out to you and then follow back up with you in a couple days. Uh, sound, sounds like a good plan. Okay, Mike, you have a good day, and I'll be in touch with you soon. Thank you, Christy. Okay. So, you know, there on the first phone call, my intention is just to establish a relationship, a connection with them, find out what they're up to, what they're looking to do, and, you know, just be a source of information for them. And and this is one of the big things, you know, to look out for with for sale by owners is that most of them are also buyers and, you know, look to see if you can help them on the buying side. And then, you know, if you do research the market, get them the homes that are for sale, and then keep them posted as new listings come available, it's kind of automatic that you sort of, you know, develop into a relationship with them to where when they do this, they're going to call you. Yeah, that's a great idea to look towards the future and where they want to be. That's their true motivation. So it was really awesome that you were focusing on that and looking to be part of that step of the process. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, I noticed that in these conversations with the for sale by owners and the expireds, unless I missed something, I didn't hear you doing a lot of puffing. I didn't hear you say, I'm the number one agent in town, and uh, no one's better than me, and uh, I'm the one. You did a lot of focus on them and what is their goal and objective and looking for solutions for them and and how you could be part of that solution. Is, Is that intentional? It is very intentional, very, very intentional, yeah. I don't put the focus on me ever at any point in in, in the process um, because it really is about them. And I believe that if we can focus on the client's needs, wants, and desires and not ourselves, that's when we're able to bring true value, contribution. And, and you know, that's the difference right there, Mike, in, in a lot of cases. And when seller says, you know, what do you do different than all the other agents out there? It really is the relationship and the communication and how you make them feel, the emotional part of it. You know, having them feel taken care of, cared for, and as though we are, you know, handling most people's largest single investment, which we are. Christy, you mentioned that there are a lot of objections that you need to handle in these phone calls. What are some common for sell by owner objections you hear, and how do you handle them? You know, mostly with for sell by owners, it's going to be around the commission and, you know, going with a discount broker. You know, in, in some cases, it's just that, you know, I can do the same thing you can do, so why would I pay you thousands of dollars? The key with handling the objection really is is, is going to be first to agree and acknowledge with them. You know, that makes sense. Most of my sellers feel just like you do. I can understand that. I would ask the same question. And so it kind of validates that, you know, how they're feeling is okay and exactly how the rest of us feel. And then go to handle the objection. And, you know, as far as reducing your commission or discount programming, how you handle that is going to be dependent upon how you run your business and whether or not you're willing to reduce your commission. And so for me, you know, depending upon the situation is, you know, what I'm going to do with the commission. There's no set amount. So, 
you know, if, if they're going to sell and buy with me, then I'm maybe more negotiable than if they're just selling kind of thing. There's so many different ways of handling one single objection. I, I think around, uh, you know, objection handling is, like I said, the key is to, to acknowledge it, to repeat it in many cases, um, to make them feel comfortable, and to realize as the agent that it's just a question. If they weren't asking the question, then that would mean we're definitely not getting a, an appointment with them because they would just say, no thanks, and hang up. But because they're asking us the question or the objection, it means they may be interested in, you know, continuing the conversation with us. So I think for agents to shift how they respond and react and feel about these questions and objections that they get is key. So if you're receiving objections, it means that the relationship is still there. You still have a chance to, to move the conversation forward. Yeah, and it's actually a good thing to get an objection. And if they say uh, it's a for sale by owner, say, hey, I can do it myself. I don't need you. I, I can do everything you can do. How do you respond to that? You know, that makes sense. And, you know, in today's market, it sure seems that way because, you know, I guess, you know, just put the sign in the yard and, you know, put it on the Internet and hope and pray it sells, right? Sure. Right. So, Mike, are you familiar with, you know, the MLS and where agents are able to put their homes for sale and how we as agents work together to get properties sold? I am. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Okay. Because my concern for you, you know, is that by going for sale by owner, you're automatically eliminating all the buyers that are working with realtors, which, you know, nine times out of ten, when a buyer is looking to buy a home, they do, you know, look to an agent to help them, you know, number one, to make sure that they're aware of all the homes that are for sale, and number two, to make sure that they're getting, you know, the best deal that they can. And then to have someone to represent them throughout the process of, you know, negotiating and handling the inspections and all the disclosures and, you know, paperwork and legalities that come along with selling a home. So, yes, you can do a lot of the same things that we can. But my biggest concern, again, for you is for sale by owner is missing out on that big pool of buyers that realtors are working with. Oh, well, why don't I just offer to pay an agent uh, a co-op like you do? You can do that. And then the concern becomes now you're offering, you know, X amount of dollars for an agent to negotiate against you because obviously they're going to be representing the buyer and not you. And so you kind of leave yourself, Mike, vulnerable and unprotected out there. Now, you know, if you if, if you have experience in the business and negotiating and you're very familiar with, you know, all the, you know, like I said, disclosures and processes, inspections and, you know, legalities that go into getting a home from going on the market to a closing, then you may be okay. But otherwise, it's almost like you're spending your money to, you know, have someone kind of work against you. Well, very good. So I think that was a good response. Excellent job there, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. So, Christy, on these uh, for sale by owners, how about results? If you were to get 10 for sale by owner leads that came into your system, how many of those would, say, set an appointment with you? And then of those, how many would end up listing? For sale by owners, the the numbers are going to be a little bit less. 
Um, I would say that if I worked 10 for sale by owners over a period of time, that we would probably list two or three of them. So your whole idea there is time. You're using this concept of time. The longer you go, you know, the odds are going to increase that they're going to get tired of trying to do it themselves. And eventually they're going to list with someone. And it sounds to me like you're the one that wants to be there. Are you continuing to make a weekly contact? And how long do you do that for? Yeah, and a weekly contact, absolutely, and how long, it just really depends on, you know, them and their circumstances, and also the agent and how busy they are. You know, do you have, because what, you don't want to waste your time following up with unmotivated leads, because then your, you know, lead database can get overwhelming and really unsuitable. Um, so I think an agent's definition of what a lead is really depends on, on their business and how busy they are, but you know, if it's somebody that is serious about selling, I'm going to follow up with them until they list or until they sell it on their own. And you're leaving the door open to help them buy their next home, even if for some reason the listing doesn't come about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the conversations, you know, as you go on and you follow up with them weekly moving forward, you know, I always offer things like, hey, would a market analysis be helpful? I'd be happy to email that to you. That way you can see what other homes you're in competition with and those that have recently sold. And, you know, it's even kind of nice to share with your buyers that they come through so that they can, you know, see how your home is comparing to others. And I'll email that to them and, you know, not charge anything because, again, my goal is to become a source of information for them. I'll offer to, hey, do you guys have a lender that you're referring to the buyers that are coming through in case they don't already have financing set up? If not, you know, here are the folks that we generally use and recommend. They'd be happy to, you know, get get your buyers pre-approved. You know, you can go to offering them on the buying side, hey, can I help you with this? Whatever you can think of that would support them and help them while they're marketing the home on their own is, is, is what I think, you know, agents should be focused on. Is there any other advice that you would give to an agent who's looking at pursuing and prospecting for sell by owners? I think just, you know, just like with the expired, don't don't let the fear get in the way because the thing of it is, is this is somebody that obviously at least wants to sell their home. And, you know, it's, it's really about just finding people who are looking to buy and sell and getting in there and being a support to them. Let's talk about your team. Could you please describe your team to us? In recent years, Mike, I've really scaled my team back and my production, you know, by choice. So right now, there are actually three of us. And my job is to prospect and generate the business and set the appointments. And then I have a full-time licensed agent that goes out on the listing appointments and shows the buyers um, the bulk of the time. And if scheduling doesn't work or we're, you know, overwhelmed, then I will also go out on listing appointments and show buyers. Um, And then together, we, you know, negotiate any offers that come in on our listings and, you know, handle the part of the closing process that would take a licensed agent to do so. And then we have a full-time administrative person that helps facilitate all the inner office you know, paperwork, feedback, follow-up, and, you know, the things that an unlicensed person can do. Now, I have had a team of as many of, uh, as seven in the and that's, you know, when we were selling 140 homes. 
and so I've been sort of everywhere up, down, and in between with the number that I have. And I think that the business has become so streamlined and efficient nowadays, not not mine personally, but in general because of, you know, the technology that we have. It You know, it used to be that you had to physically go out and have things signed, and, you know, now we're doing it via email. And so I think that uh, the time involved to handle a transaction has drastically decreased, having it be that we don't need as, as many staff members as, as we once did. A buyer's agent is something that I've had most of the time, and the buyer's agent was responsible, obviously, for working with all the buyers. Okay. And now you said it's either yourself or I didn't get the, I'm sorry, I didn't get the title of the person who goes out on the listing appointments and works with buyers. What what did you call that? He is now just referred to as my partner. Partner. Yeah. If it, when I used to have it, um, you know, on a larger scale, that would be, it would be called either a listing manager or a buyer's agent. The listing manager would be the person that goes out on the list page, you know, discusses price, takes the sign, the lockbox, and, you know, it's actually on the listing appointment. And then a buyer's agent would be, you know, physically show property to our buyers. The person that's in the admin full-time, do you have a a title for that position? Operations manager. And they call our sellers, you know, on a weekly basis. They give feedback for every showing that takes place. The operations manager uploads all the photos and kind of manages all the websites and, you know, just, just all, all the inner office paperwork and, and management that, that uh, needs to take place. Do you have a, a sales and marketing director? I did, and that person was responsible for following up on Zillow leads and calling past clients, calling just listed and just sold while I would spend my time, you know, on what we would call the higher priority, which would be, you know, the expired and for sale by owners and doing the lead follow-up with all of that. But again, I'm in the process of scaling back and, you know, trying not to sell as many homes, if you will. Oh, okay. So that person is no longer on the team? No. When you're looking for team members, do you look for people who have experience or do you prefer inexperienced agents? I prefer inexperienced agents so that I can, you know, mold them and have them, you know, work my systems and, you know, do things the way that I know has worked. Well, Christy, are you profitable? Absolutely, because I don't spend a lot of money on self-promotion or, or advertising. I think the biggest expense that I have um, is, is Zillow, and I'm spending about $1,000 a month on Zillow. To, to buy the zip codes and, you know, be able to produce buyer leads. But other than that, um, we do advertise in a color magazine and um, do pay a premium to be in the centerfold of that. It does not get our listings sold, but it keeps sellers happy and keeps the name recognition out there in some form of print advertising. But the primary source of, of my business is and has always been prospecting. Would you mind disclosing to us what your net profit margin is in your operation? Well, my goal is 70-30, so no more than 30% on expenses. So have you been able to achieve that goal of a 70% net profit margin? Yeah, I have. And most years it's really leaner than that. And, you know, most of the time it's, it's 20 to 25%. 
Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. It sounds like you're able to do that because of all the prospecting. I think that's it, is, you know, not having to pay for self-promotion. And, you know, that's valid, too, though, because, you know, definitely agents out there that uh, do what we call branding, and they have the money to be able to do that. I didn't have that luxury, so it was really about working hard and going out there and, you know, creating and finding the business. Well, Christy, what drives you? That is a great question. Um, years ago, honestly, what drove me is that, and this is going to be getting a little transparent and personal, but that is my goal is to have an impact on people out there. When I was 12 years old, I found out that my dad had a terminal illness and that he would be lucky to see me graduate from high school. He did. I graduated in June. He died in November. So, of course, I was planning to go to college and become an English teacher, actually. But when we knew that he was in his last few months, I decided, you know what, I'm going to wait and, you know, I'll stay and then I'll go to college in the spring and I'll just get a job to kind of, you know, get by until then. So that first job happened to be the receptionist at the real estate company. Well, dad died in November and I was, you know, planning to go to a university that spring, but I started seeing the commission checks in the office come through, you know, to the agents. And I was like, hmm, English teacher, real estate agent. And, you know, saw how much money was involved and really loved what I saw about the business, the, the flexibility in your schedule, the ability to determine whatever level of income you want to make, and just that, you know, every day is different, and every day seemed to be a new challenge. So I decided to put everything I had into, you know, learning about the real estate business. And what drove me back then was to prove that I was worthy because I, you know, felt bad about not going to college, like that I wasn't good enough. And so it was all about proving that I could be successful and, you know, make a six-figure income without going to college. And then I created a lifestyle that, you know, has a certain level of income that has to be made in order to have it all work. And so, you know, in today's world, that's what drives me, to keep it all afloat and, you know, keep, keep the kids accustomed to what they're, you know, used to having and, and, um, you know, to, to now make a difference for other agents and, you know, give back. Christy, why have you been so successful? I think consistency and discipline, you know, and faith and belief that, you know, I, and that comes from having, you know, spent a lot of time with top producing agents across the country and reading lots of self-help books and going to lots of, you know, training and seminars and studying what makes a person successful. And so if I had to just pick a few words, it would be, you know, consistency, discipline, you know, and, and continuing to, to have the faith that if, if, if you continue to do a certain thing for a long enough period of time, it's going to work and you're going to get good at it. For any business to be profitable and to call it a success, from what I can gather, statistics say that it takes three to five years. So when I started, you know, I knew that it wasn't going to be something that happened in three to five weeks, that it was going to be three to five years of, you know, putting your head in the sand and, and really working hard. And then after that point, you know, having systems in place and consistency to, to continue to at that level. Christy, you mentioned early on in our conversation something that you did consistently, you got on the phone and you made phone calls three to five hours a day 
Uh, my question to you is, how did you stay motivated to continuously make those calls day after day? It's not easy, and there is no magic pill. It just, I can remember sitting in a seminar and seeing a lady that just, you know, was selling a hundred and some homes a year. And I, I just looked at her and I thought, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it too. And just proving that I could do it. Proving that I could, you know, be a success, be an entrepreneur. And I look at, you know, these corporations out here and the, the alternatives that we have and it it wasn't very inviting. So it's almost like I cut off the options. Like this was my course and this was what I was doing and you know, there's certain things that you have to do every day in any job, and so my job was to prospect. You know, I would rather be doing that than, you know, some of the alternatives that, that were available. You do more than just sell homes now. You go out and you help agents, other agents out there. Could you tell us a little bit about that? What are you doing there? Yeah, I um, wrote a uh, an objection handler book, as I mentioned early on, with a couple top producing agents, and, and that book is called Now What Do I Say? And we just, each of us, from having been in the business for a number of years, wrote down all the different objections that we, you know, noticed that we were getting, and we each wrote two objection handlers. So it has over 400 answers to more than 70 of the most common objections that we face. That's kind of how it started. And then one of the co-authors and I decided to start coaching agents, and, and the company name is You're the Difference, and we do a lot of things just like this, Mike, where we just, you know, do a lot of Q&A and basically just sharing and contributing what I have experienced, you know, that, that's worked for me with other agents out there. And so if people want to learn more about that, where would they go? You'rethedifference.com, and that's Y-O-U-R-E-T-H-E, difference.com. Christy, where can they find that book? The book can be found through our website, you'rethedifference.com, under our products page. And again, the book is called Now What Do I Say? It's available in an ebook, an audiobook, and a published version. Christy, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I mean, I hate to keep coming back to it, Mike, but it prospect. Get on the phone and call people. First of all, if you have the ability to call everybody that you know, I would call them and say, hey, just want to, you know, reach out, say hello to you and let you know that I'm in real estate now. Who do you know of you know, that's looking to buy or sell that I might be of help to? And I definitely would call expired and for sale by owners. Christy, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Oh, I do. I think they're absolutely valuable. The more information we have and the more education we can get, you know, the more confidence we'll have when, when we're out there making the phone calls or, you know, talking to buyers and sellers. Well, Christy, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the agents listening? I just think that if there's a will, there's a way. I know for sure that if I can do this, anybody can. And I just, you know, really having the faith, setting a, a plan for yourself, and then remaining consistent and being disciplined with your daily actions. If you do those things, you can succeed and, you know, be, do, and have whatever you're looking to have. 
Well, Christy, you have a strong will and made an incredible practice doing it your way. You prove the low-cost, high-prospecting method can be done at a high volume and with super high net profit margins. You know your scripts and objection responses well and move smoothly through prospecting conversations. You take a wise approach with expired listings and for sale by owners by focusing on the purchase of the future home rather than the sale of the current home. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who is just as comfortable wearing a suit to sell an urban home as he is wearing jeans selling rural ranches. And he sold over 2,000 homes in his career. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.